My goodness. Thank you, choir. Let's give them another round of applause. Do that. Thank you. Good job. Amen. Great job. Thank you, Miss Rachel. Thank you for directing. Thank our choir for sharing this morning. They stayed over several evenings and practiced and went through everything. And so I appreciate what they did for us today. And so I want to share just a, a brief message, and you'll have to listen real quick, but I think it'd be appropriate if we just took time now after that to look at God's Word just for a moment. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, I'm just going to read this. Luke chapter 1, familiar passage during this time of the year, and we go to it from time to time. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, listen to God's Word. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come to the angel, he said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this now is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come to, to this place this morning. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to worship. Thank you for our choir. Father, who brought the Christmas message and song. Father, we do have a wonderful Savior. So, Father, help us, I pray, this morning. Father, as we've gathered together, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts in the brief moment that we have in your word. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Bible scholars have always considered and referred to the period of time from the, the, the book of Malachi to the, in the Old Testament to the book of Matthew in the New Testament as a quiet time or the silent years. They consider from Matthew, uh, from Malachi to Matthew to be about four or five hundred years. And it's believed that it's a period that the Bible was silent. Nothing was happening. No voice from heaven during that time. And then suddenly there was this flurry of angel activity and the world enters into a prophetic fulfillment. And that's where we come in this chapter, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We find where there's an appearance of an, an angel by the name of Gabriel preparing to, to make a visit to a, a woman by the name of Mary who lived in a small town called Nazareth. Nazareth was just an obscure little town in Galilee. It was a town that no one really ever spoke about. It was just a small town. 
No one ever spoke about it. No one paid any attention to it. It's kind of like Phil Campbell, I guess, just a small little town. But the point is, God is no respecter of persons, and God's no respecter of places. God can send a message to a little town in Nazareth, or he could send the message to a larger town in Jerusalem. He could have sent the message to a believer in Nazareth, or he could send the message to this little small town in Bethlehem. The point is, God is no respecter of persons or places, and he sends a message to wherever he wants to send it, to, ever, to whom he ever wants to send it to. And so even today, God is sending you, and he's sending me a message. In verse 27, this message was sent or came to Mary by Gabriel. Mary was a virgin. She was waiting for, to be married to her boyfriend, her fiancé. His name was Joseph. And the point was she'd never been touched by a man immorally. She, she even confirmed that herself in verse 34. She says, how's this going to be? Because I've never known a man. And so listen, the birth of God's son required a miracle. He could not be born through the process as other men were born. If he had been like other men, uh, his very birth would indicate that he was just a man, but he was more than a man. He was God-man. He was incarnate man. He was God. He was man because he had already existed. We know this in John chapter 1 verse 1 when the Bible says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And now for God to send his Son into the world, he would have to choose another way than just like we would experience birth in this world. He needed a body. And that's what Jesus said of himself in Hebrews 10 verse 5, a body you prepared for me. And so God chose a virgin, virgin Mary, to be his instrument of bringing Jesus into the world. And verse 27 says this angel Gabriel came to Mary and he delivered her a message. And she discovered something from that message. And I want to share three things she discovered real quick. Number one, Mary discovered God's plans are eternal. God's plans are eternal. Luke chapter 1 verse 33 said that, that this son of Mary would reign eternally. Remember, God's plans are eternal. No doubt Mary had, you know, she had dreams like all other young women. She dreamed about being married one day, and she had her boyfriend. She had Joseph, and no doubt they talked about their wedding plans and how many children they would have and where they would live, and, you know, all of these wedding plans were on her mind, and she was so happy that one day she would, she would be married, and perhaps she even already had picked out a wedding dress. She'd made her plans, and all of a sudden, in steps this angel called Gabriel. And he had this surprising message in verse 28 through 30. He said, you have found favor with God. Now think about that. Notice he didn't tell her, he didn't tell her at that time how she would be favored. He just said, you found favor with God. And so she was God's choice to bear and to be the mother of the Messiah. That's how she'd found favor for the time being. He just said to her, you found favor with God. You know, wouldn't it be good to be highly favored by God? You know, I'll greet people on the street and I'll say, well, how you doing? You know what they'll say? I'm blessed and what? 
highly favored. I swear that comes from. It's good to be favored by God. So if you're a child of God this morning, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're highly favored of God. God has saved you. God has gifted you. God has given you a spiritual gift for you to use in the kingdom work. God is coming back for you, and one day we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. So we're highly favored among God. And I noticed also in this, she, she would conceive before marriage, verse 31, and her son would be called the Son of the Most High, verse 32, and his name would be Jesus, and he would be a great person. He would even be called the Son of God. And verse 33 says that his kingdom will reign forever. And so the point is, Mary had her plans, but God works on eternal basis. Regardless what we have planned, God may have other plans. Therefore, here's the whole question. Are you willing to scrape or to scrap your plans in order to be a part of God's plan for your life? Or is it all about you and what you want to do? Have you prayed and said, God, what's your will for my life? I'm seeking your will for my life. Or you just want to do what you want to do. Mary had her plans. But God's plans were eternal. So she found, she found that God's plans are eternal. But she discovered something else. Notice this in verse 32 and 33. She discovered that God's promises are, are unfailing. His promises never fail. Now, no doubt, Mary, she was familiar with God's word, the Old Testament. And she knew that one day the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, no telling how many times she read that verse. And then she also knew that this child would be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah the prophet in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. She knew that. She knew the Messiah would be born. She knew he'd be born in Bethlehem. And it had been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years since those words had been written. Then all of a sudden, Gabriel reveals to her, you're the one, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And so here's the point. Mary discovered that God's promises are unfailing. The Bible says they fail not. So whatever promise we have in God's word, we know that it's going to come to pass. And so Mary discovered that God's promises are unfailing. But one of the things she discovered, Mary discovered that God's power is unlimited. His power is unlimited. In verse 37 and verse 34, she says, how can this thing be? How can this thing happen? A virgin, how can this happen to me? How can I be the mother of the Messiah? She didn't understand it. How shall it be? And Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will work it out. The Holy Spirit will do the impossible. Now, when she said, how's this going to be? She wasn't doubting the message. Her faith wasn't waning at all. She just wanted some information. How's this going to occur? And she was a virgin. She never married. She was never married before. She didn't understand. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. One translation says, hover over you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, not in the same crude way as a man would, but not like the manner of man, the scripture says, but in the manner of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
And so the question is, what is the manner of this operation of the Holy Spirit? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do this? Well, the God's Spirit creates, and God's Spirit recreates, and God's Spirit sets apart by the Word of God, just simply by the Word of God. The point is, God's Spirit speaks, and it's done. You shall conceive by God's Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will do the impossible. And he had done, he'd already proved the impossible because Elizabeth, believe it's in verse 36, she was barren, she had no child, and the Holy Spirit already proved himself in that Elizabeth, she was with child. And so God will do the impossible for you. In verse 37, for with God, what does it say? Nothing is impossible. Think of that, I was reading that the other morning. With God, nothing is is impo- nothing is impossible. What about uh, my wayward children? Will they ever come back to God? Nothing's impossible with God. What about my husband or my, my wife? Will they ever be saved? Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. Whatever you think, this addiction that I have, can I overcome this addiction? Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And so doesn't that encourage you this morning? Doesn't that give you some kind of hope? Doesn't it give you some kind of strength to know that nothing is impossible with God? So first, God's plans are eternal. God's promises are unfailing. And then God's power is unlimited. And so God has the power to give a new birth. You know, if, if God can give a physical body to his son, then God can give new birth to those who are willing to receive eternal life just by placing faith and trust in him. Nothing's impossible with God. His power is unlimited. So Mary discovers all these things about God, and her discoveries were personal. You know what? You can personally discover God today. You really can. Because God speaks to her heart. And that little still, small voice, that's, that's God speaking to you. That little tug on your heart, that's God speaking to you. And you can discover God today if you'll step out in faith and receive his son Jesus into your life. Your whole life will be different. You can personally discover him in a new way today. And you say, well, Brother Samuel, what about my past? Well, your past is your past. Because God has, he has new adventures planned for you today and then tomorrow and then the future. Planned just for you. And God can make all things new. Because nothing, you say, well, I've gone too far. You haven't gone too far for God. Nothing's impossible with God if you'll just surrender your life to him. You know, when the angel spoke to the shepherds, their message was real simple. The message was simply this, fear not, for I, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who, now he uses that personal pronoun, who, not what, but who, not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Mary, he didn't say what? He didn't say it was going to be the church. He didn't say it was going to be your baptism. He didn't say it was going to be communion. He says, but who? That personal pronoun. A Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. 
You know, that's the only Savior we have is Christ the Lord. Jesus, the Jews rejected Jesus. Still, most of them have rejected Jesus. But the Bible says, as many as received him to them, the Jews and to us, to them, those that received him, those Jews, those that received him, and the Gentiles, those that received him, to them he gave the authority, he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 1, verse 12. And so the question today, would, have you received him to be your Lord and Savior of your life? You really don't know what Christmas is about. It's not about Christmas trees and lights and Santa. All, that, all of that is fun and it's good to be a part of, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about a Savior being born, and his name is Jesus. I was at a hotel this week and, uh, and um, went to check out, and the uh, guy at the desk, uh, we had a short time there, and I said, I introduced myself to him, and... and um, had some little small talk, and uh, I said, where do you attend church? And he said, just got baptized this past Sunday. I said, really? Stephen? He said, yes, really did. I said, now you know what Christmas is all about. He said, I sure do. Man, listen, you'll never know what Christmas is about until you experience the person of Christmas, and that's the Lord Jesus. And you can do that today if you haven't done so already. You just humble your heart and say, Oh, Lord, I know that you came into the world, that you died on the cross for my sins. And, Lord, I humble my heart, I humble my life, and I give you my all. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life and save me. And he will. He'll do just that. He's done it for a countless number of people, and he'll do it for you also. That's how we're prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today and worship you through song. And now you've spoken to us through your word. Man, I can't imagine how Mary felt. But Lord, I know how happy she was at the end. And Father, I know, Father, that uh, you chose her, especially, Father, to be the one to be the mother, the earthly mother, to bear your son, give birth to your son, Jesus. Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord. I love you for coming into this world and dying on the cross for my sins, for my sins, but not only for mine, but the whole world. And I pray for any person here this morning, Lord, who's never trusted you, put their faith and trust in you. I pray that they'll realize that today is the day of their salvation that they would humbly come to you today and ask you to forgive. And Father, you've, you've never turned anyone away. You've never turned anyone away. And you even tell us in your word that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray even today that people would be willing to do that. I pray for other decisions that need to be made today. And I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of those that are here. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.